Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. We thought the NCAA had just pretty much given up. But they're still there. SI's Ross Dillinger. That's that's uh that's close to the uh, Coach O, where the Coach O's from and the Cajuns on the P Rolls, yeah. And SI's Pat Forty. Texas might be back. They've got a quarterback who's never thrown a pass, but he was highly rated. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I welcome to the pod. We got a poll, baby. All right. Let's start arguing. USA Today, uh, coaches poll, the AFCA poll, whatever this, what's that? What's that? It's not AFLAC. No, American Football Coaches Association. American Football Coaches Association. We have a poll. Breaking news. Alabama expected to be good. (laughs) Came in number one. Nobody saw that coming. 54 first place votes. 66 coaches. So we're gonna do a little math here, and you're gonna we're gonna you're gonna see where this is headed. Number two, Ohio State, five first place votes. Number three, Georgia, six first place votes. That leaves one more vote. Where and did it who go? Who got that vote? Where? Texas is back. <laughs> <laughs> the Texas Longhorns. Received a number one vote in the USA Today AFCA poll. (laughs) Not Clemson, who's number four. Not Notre Dame, who's number five. Not Michigan, who's number six. Not A&M, who's seven. Not Utah, who's eight. Not Oklahoma at nine. Not Baylor at 10. Texas, who checks in at 18th with a number one vote. With a number one vote. If they don't have the number one vote, I don't know where they are. Well, they lose 25 points in this thing. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. So. so let's see. If they let's say that coach left them off the ballot, they would drop all the way to 20th. Okay. I guess not that big of a drop. So it begs the question, and we're going to do a forensic audit here. Oh, yes, we are. Who the hell voted Texas number one? <laughs> And I can tell you it was not Longhorn coach Steve Sarkeesian because he doesn't have a vote. So, Pat and Ross, I'll start with you, Ross. Is Nick Saban the culprit? (laughs) Is he trying to rat poison Texas? (laughs) And if not, who is? Yeah, I know. I need to look at it. You've got it there in front of you. I need to look at this list to uh, try to figure it out. Uh, But yeah, it's week two, right? Alabama, Texas at uh, in Austin. So uh, maybe he's trying to, uh, yeah, uh, ramp up the uh, uh, the Longhorns a little bit. It's kind of like it's kind of like a media days, which has become like a I think a annual thing is that Vanderbilt gets a first place vote to win uh, the SEC. I think it happened this past year again. Uh, 
And so uh, we need to start. I think this needs to be an annual thing. One coach every year needs to vote Texas number one. In one of these years, maybe they'll be right. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Pat, is it Saban? I'm looking here at the rest of the list. So, like, Neil Brown from West Virginia is a voter. He might have been trying to pump him up. There's got to be some other Big 12 voters. Joey McGuire at Texas jo- Joey Tech. McGuire. There you, you go. Know, he Chris loves Cle- all things Can- Texas. That's what we're told. I That's don't know right. if he loves the Longhorns, though. Chris Kleeman, Kansas State. So, now I'm going to like, – yeah, I think it's Saban. I think it's Saban. I think we, I think we have our man. He's yeah. As as somebody who's who who coined the phrase "rat poison" for excessive and undue praise of a team, by golly, I think this has his fingerprints all over it. I'm looking at the list now, and uh, there's a few guys in here that I could totally see voting. You know, voting Texas number one just to to give fodder, like as an absolute joke. You know, I could see some guys with a with a with a personality. And, and I wonder, I do wonder if that's part of what's happened. I, like literally somebody is uh, just completely joking, just wanted to make some fodder for us. And they got it. Look at, look, look, we're uh, leading you. the show with the Longhorns. There you go. <laughs> All right, here here are some here are some candidates. Lane Kiffin is not a voter. We can take him off. He is. He has a <laughs> <Yeah>. good alibi. <laughs> Excellent alibi. So this does Mike Leach. I, like, I did a search for Leach. It's not him. Not Leach. This could be like Murder on the Orient Express. Like all of them did it. They just like, <laughs> they, they put like Dana Dimmel up from UTEP or something. No one will suspect you or I don't know. There's a hey, there's another Dana that votes in. I'm just uh, saying, yes. you know, Alderson. It, I could Alderson. I could see him. It's just ha ha ha. Let's get the Longhorns number one and see what they say. You know, or he got a little like his mullet was just flapping around in that Houston <laughs> wind, and he just yeah. he just let it all go. Possible, very possible. Uh, other candidates, we have Kirby Smart from Georgia. Maybe he's a little bitter at this whole Arch Manning thing. Whoop. Huh? We're going to question that. Certainly a possibility there. It could be Jim Mora voting for UConn. Jim Mora, we had the controversy during the offseason. Does he know who shot Tupac? Remember that? <laughs> yes. There was a question that he had told told the recruit that he knew who killed Tupac. He has now declined that, but maybe he knows things that others don't know, and Texas really is on the verge of something. (laughs) He denies knowing who shot Tupac. He probably would deny voting Texas number one, but Jim Mora, you're in the spotlight here. Seer, savant, yeah, yeah. Could be. I don't know. Pat Narduzzi from Pitt. He's he's rattling fences lately. Yeah, yeah. That was one. He was on. He was on my list of possibilities with Dana for sure. He's uh, got a little sass to him, just yeah. to mess around. That's a funny one. Paul Christ would be the least likely to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta focus on that too. You can't be getting you can't get okie doked here. Saban obviously with the rat poison, but Saban is such a quality control guy. I don't know that he could pull it off. I think at the end, he'd be like, ah, I can't. <laughs> They're not number one. Uh, be violating the process if you do that. You know, we should be studying a list of these coaches' SIDs who yeah, really right. who do the Who hate Texas? And yeah, yeah. Who, what SID uh, is the connection to Texas or think it would be just funny to do? Because I bet half of these coaches didn't even uh, touch their, their uh, rankings. 
I don't know. Like preseason, they might. Mm. Maybe they definitely they, don't during the season. No, it's a yeah. Terrible I mean, point. I would just, I would love to see. You know, like, is it literally? Does it just come across the desk, and do they take thirty seconds? Go, yeah, it looks fine. Or do they actually study it for two or three minutes or five minutes, change some things around, or do they look at it even at all? I don't know. But, Someone is messing with Texas. Yeah, there's. They, a, you know what? A they, lot of their opponents have voters in this. Alabama. They play four in a row who have voters. Alabama, UTSA, Jeff Trailer, Texas Tech, West Virginia. And then they also got Kleeman and Lance Leipold from Kansas. They both vote as well. So, Sam Pittman at Arkansas. The Hogs have always got something against the Horns. Always, <laughs> always. That that's that's a long. I mean, this is truly messing with them. I mean, this is hysterical. <laughs> this is the horns down version of a vote. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Hugh Freeze at Liberty. Yeah, couple of guys who. Uh, Coached with uh, with Sark at Alabama, have votes. Butch Jones, Arkansas State, he was mm-hmm. on the staff there. I think with Sark, Mike Locks. Mike Locksley might have left actually, and then Sark came in. So yeah, he replaced him, I believe. Yeah, yep. yep. Many, many the mysteries wrapped in a riddle. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Quinn Ewers gets more money uh, from NIL if he gets a, a number one vote. Who knows? Is there a bonus? Like, what if like there's a bonus in the structure? You get what I get that, you know, I'm Sark. I get an extra 50 grand. Remember the, the yeah. old Yukon deal? Yeah, exactly. Randy Etzel, the right? Randy so Etzel get one of your, I'll split the deal with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get 25. Yeah. I get 25. If you're Sark. Yeah. You got to fill me 000, in. Who yeah. cares? Yeah, call whoever somebody on the list here and say, yeah. All right. Rest of this poll. Top three of the top three. Everyone thinks they're the top three. Get asked who's going to make the playoff i think everybody says those three bam ohio state georgia it's a little depressing on a season we'll see if there's any shakeup. but uh the battle is for ford it, who 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 in this poll doesn't even have to be who can get to the top four but who's what stood out to you either good or bad in this poll i'll start with you pat well okay good because i've i've got a little uh i got a little blind blind resume test for you here okay now, we're going to compare two teams, okay? One team went 11-3, and three, Power 5 Conference, played in this conference championship game. The other team went 5-7, and seven, lost six in a row at one point, clearly did not go to a bowl. The 11-3 and three team has 13 starters back, seven on offense, six on defense. The 5-7 and seven team has seven starters back on offense, seven on defense. The 11 and 3 team is, has its returning quarterback who threw for 4,200 yards and 39 touchdowns back, and a receiver who caught 71 passes for nearly 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns. The 5 and 7 team has a quarterback who's never thrown a college pass. They do have a receiver who caught 980 yards worth of passes. They have a very good running back. Knock on the 11 and 3 team was that its defense wasn't very good last year. Uh, they've got six stars back, but they gave up 28.9 points. The five and seven team gave up 31.1 points. You guys tell me which team is ranked higher. Um, well, I'm guessing five and seven. Yeah, I'm guessing since we're doing this exercise, it's the five and seven team, which I'm still trying to figure out who who that, that would is. Be the boringest exercise or... ever. If you were like <laughs> yeah. at the end of that, you're like the eleven and three teams ranked eighth, and uh, yeah. the five and seven's not ranked. They didn't get any. Obviously, no. What I'm setting up is my own outrage here. 
about okay, these go for it. stupid polls and the incredible <laughs> laziness and brand name relying uh, the myopia of these voters. 18 is Texas, who went 5 and 7. 19 is Wake Forest, who went 11 and 3. But it's Wake Forest. And so everybody, well, oh, they're only Wake Forest. Oh, but Texas, <gasps> Texas might be back. They've got a quarterback who's never thrown a pass, but he was highly rated. They've got a coach who everybody thought was an offensive genius, even though they went five and seven last year. The other team, which averaged 41 points a game, has the real offensive genius coach, Dave Clawson, but they're Wake Forest. Do you think Wake Forest would ever, ever, ever be ranked the year after going five and seven? Hell no. But Texas, well, it's Texas. Look at that. Look at that longhorn on the helmet. Horns up. Bevo. Ah, uh, yes. The yeah. beauty of college sports, right? The big brands, the big names, the colors, the logos, the mascots. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Why would anyone vote for Texas? They may end up being good. Maybe. But why? Going in right now, much less voting them number one. But even if you take that out, the fact that they'd still be in the top 20 or 21, I mean, why? What if it was Dave Clawson who voted them number one? Maybe and it that was. bumped them ahead of weight. <laughs> Maybe. I just, I, it's like, this is what happens to Wake Forest, and this is what happens to Texas, and this is why polls are stupid. And we do this every single year. Here we are. Why do we do it, Pete? Because, because the, the fans and readers love it, man. I, I can't imagine the uh, clicks that old USA Today is getting on the poll, oh. and we're sending them more, too. Yeah. You know? No, I was uh, excited it, when it came out. I'm not a curmudgeon like Pat who cares. <laughs> Pat flipping out over who's 18th and 19th <laughs> in the poll. When Texas is 18th, I'm flipping out. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Get them out. Come on. I mean, Ross, who, what surprised you to we'll, we'll let Pat have a moment. He every needs, freaking <laughs> year. Every he needs year. Time he needs to unwind. I take a he breath. Needs a, he needs a timeout for a second. Uh, I don't know that I was surprised, but well, how would you like to be Marcus Freeman? Your what? Second game of your career or no first game of your career, right? Is at Ohio uh, state coach the bowl, coach the bowl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So second game, second game of careers, uh, your team's at Ohio State. In your team is uh, in Ohio State is number two. In your team is number five. So your first season as a head coach, your expectations are to uh, finish the season basically undefeated or with one loss at the very very worst. So that is a uh, I, I'm I'm trying to think of a first year coach at any program that has faced those expectations. I'm sure I'm sure there's been that. And I'm just kind of going over in my head really quickly. Y'all might have a better idea, but a first-year coach that is whose team entered the season, you know, in the top five, uh, that would be an interesting one. But that the expectation level for Marcus Freeman, whoo, good luck, buddy. Well, and not only that, they're going in with a quarterback, in presumably Tyler Buckner, who hasn't played or has barely played. It's not doesn't, like they're doesn't returning. Doesn't matter for Texas. <laughs> Quinn, Quinn well, Ewers, also, Tyler Buckner was not the number one recruit in the country either. No, he wasn't. It's not like they're bringing back like Ian Book for his third year as a starter, right? Yeah. yeah. And you go, all right, I got a pretty good idea of this kid, who this kid is. He's going to be pretty good. He may not, he's not going to be great, great. But they're not even bringing Jack Cohen in from Wisconsin. They have Tyler Buckner probably as the starter and then possibly Drew Pine. Wait, they have, they're bringing in a new quarterback 
and a brand new. Now they have some offensive weapons. They've got a great defense. They've got some good running backs. But yeah, I, this is a a ton put on Notre Dame. Number five. I, I'm with you. That I mean, look, the, yeah, the basic surprised. thing is you want to know about Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, Dan Lanning uh, at Oregon. Let's see who else is starting brand new. Uh, oh, uh, well, Brent Venerables at Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So you have those three. They're all in the top ten. Are they gonna? Can they coach? Right. We don't know. Right. Pres- they can all recruit. They're all recruiting great. Oregon's twelve. They're not in the top ten, but they're twelve. Not Oregon's twelve. Oklahoma's nine. Notre Dame's five. And then Southern Cal too. Fifteen. Fifteen, but but we know he can coach. He's coached. Yeah. These are guys that have never been a head coach. So we know Lincoln Riley can coach. You don't know until you know. Uh, Some of these guys obviously turn out to be unbelievable, and some of them don't. So you have no idea. I think that's a tremendously, uh, it's a tough one. But then again, you look at the candidates, and you go, all right, is Michigan six? Like, are they going to be good enough? A&M's kind of young. Clemson obviously has a chance to be really solid in that fourth spot. And I think I would not be surprised if the playoff is the top four. But I, I agree with you. Notre Dame. But we do not know what Tyler Buckner can do, and he's going to get broken in in the horseshoe. Yeah, see, I think, uh, to me, Notre Dame at five is emblematic of the fact that I don't think anybody knows what to do from four through, like, ten. You know? I mean, Clemson, okay, yeah, a lot of good players coming back. Two new coordinators. (laughs) And they were not great last year, and there's question whether DJ Uyunglele is really the guy. Notre Dame, we just went through the questions. Michigan lost a lot from that team. Uh, Texas A&M, super, super young. Utah, some key parts coming back, but also Pac-12. Should a Pac-12 team be as high as eight? I don't know. Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley left and took everything but the who hash. Baylor, like very few starters <laughs> back from last year's team. So you go down to like, when I was filling out RSI top 25, I was like, I don't like anybody from four on down. I think if you look at the top five, um, there's a uh, there's a familiarity there, right? It probably speaks to uh, the the lack of parity right now in college football. But out, outside of Oklahoma, I think those those five have advanced to more CFP championships than any other teams. They probably make up around 75%, 70% of the of the actual appearances in the CFP, those certainly those the five. victories. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama, they right. have Georgia. all the victories except Oregon. Yeah. Oregon and LSU. That yeah. LSU. LSU. LSU and Oregon. Yep. yep. Probably LSU so. won two, Oregon won one. Other than that, every yep. game has been won by those uh, yes. four. State of state of college football. And we're always looking coming into the year on who's going to challenge the the top group. And I think it's probably not, you know, no one. Far, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. I got my eyes a little bit on the Aggies. We'll see. Maybe it's too soon. Maybe it's a year too soon. But, um, but I'm always looking at who might challenge that group uh, at the top. I, I would have put Utah fifth. Yeah, I, I think, mean, this is, I, think you know, I agree. I think at least you know what Utah is. You know that schedule. You know that they could get to that fifth spot and possibly into four. Very, very solid team. You just saw them go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. And, and yeah, Ohio State was in Utah. So, you know, I think I, I would probably have put them at fifth. I mean, Notre Dame's going to be in your top ten. I just, to me, you just have a total wild card at quarterback. It's the most important position, and yeah, no one's really sure. Well, um, and a wild card at coach, you know. And you yeah. got a wild card at coach. 
Um, so we'll see. Two thoughts I had is one, NC State at 13, uh, which I think is is perfectly legitimate, maybe even too low. Uh, Devin Leary is going to be, you know, had an incredible year last year. 3,400 yards passing, 35 TDs and just five interceptions. You know, he has a chance to give them uh, the kind of pop they need. Uh, Dave Dorian, just he just builds good programs. And so is this like that breakthrough year for NC State? I think that's a big question. So them sitting at 13 is is nice, and that's a team I think people should – that's a team that earned that spot. You're not getting uh, – no one's just sitting there saying, where do we rank NC State? <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't now go that, too far. I, I See, I guess I agree. I think NC State and, and Wake Forest – both should be either one of those should be the second ACC team rank, and you could put them in either order. It'll be fine. It's another reason why Wake Forest at nineteen just mystifies me. But they're both teams, good teams with really good coaches who have built them over the long haul and have a lot of people, good players coming back from good teams. So I I would look at both of them and say they could be top fifteen. They could end up in the top ten. Who uh, who outside of the top ten? Makes the playoffs, if anybody. Who do you think? Who's the best? Uh, who's the best possibility? I'll spoil it. I, uh, Pat, you know, in the magazine, I, you know, we had to do our our pick our playoff prediction. I picked Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and USC, mm. uh, which I'm not feeling real good about, but they come in at 15. I mean, that would be spicy. That would be fun. I, I mean, you got to look conference wise. It's like A and M's got to get. Yeah, it's it's just a tough go. I mean, obviously, someone from the Big Twelve can make it. So whether you like Oklahoma, Oklahoma Baylor, or Oklahoma State, they're all sitting there as pretty talented teams. What about Texas, Dan? What about <laughs> Texas? <laughs> of course, I'm sorry, <laughs> Texas number one. Yeah, of course. You want to know a little a little more te- a Texas stat for you? This is the sixth straight year they've been ranked preseason. They're like helium; they're inflated. <laughs> I mean, you just can't you can't not rank them. <laughs> During those six years, seven and seven and six, ten and four, ten. Okay, they were legitimate then. Eight and five, seven and three, five and seven. So, I uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd buy stock in LSU. LSU yeah. sitting at thirtieth in this poll, and the others receiving votes section. Right. For, first year LSU hadn't been ranked uh, since two thousand, and of course last year, or what two years ago, was the first year they didn't make a bowl since two thousand. Nick Saban's first year, crazy. They've got players. And they've got yeah. a coach. I, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the SEC and win the national title, but that team's that's a top 25 team, I would think. Yeah, you, you gonna, could see you could see them go like eight and four, nine and three for sure, and yeah. finish in the top 20 or so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't rank LSU, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them. You know, I think they'll be better coached, better organized, but I don't think they have great talent right now. Uh, a lot of question marks. They're on a very, very tough schedule. I kind of like Tennessee. Uh, at 28, and I like their schedule to get off to a good start. Six of their first eight games are at home. Would not be shocked to see them coming into November at like 7-1, and losing to Alabama, but maybe winning the rest, and then playing Georgia and maybe getting a reality check there. But I I think the the stage is set for Tennessee to be one of those teams we're talking about uh, midseason as one of the surprise teams. No, they were pretty interesting opening few games right they will they yeah. play at Pitt. yep uh i believe yeah they play at Pitt, and then week four they host florida so 
yeah, we'll we'll know about the volunteers pretty quickly. I I, I agree though. I, I actually um you know he's stockpiling uh talent over there in uh in interesting ways. Obviously, they have one of the bigger NIL collectives, and uh, they are racking up. It it would it would seem. So LSU gets Florida State that first weekend. That's going to be a very that's going to be a fun game to watch. Like because there's just questions on both teams, both programs. You know, for an unranked game, right. And that's that Sunday standalone game. So oh, it's a Sunday. I thought it was yeah. Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sunday standalone game. Pretty interesting. Now everyone will overreact to like who wins. It'll be oh, this yeah. great game. And then both teams will stink. But yep. I don't know. I mean, I, that's in New Orleans. I expect LSU to win that game. And then they got Southern, Miss State, New Mexico. And then they're at Auburn. That, that Tennessee game in, in October could be big. And they play, te- then they host Tennessee. Right. I don't know. I mean, we like what Arkansas is doing. They got. They got more names coming back and all that, but they're sitting at 23. I don't know if that, you know, do I, do you really think Arkansas is going to have a better season than LSU? Yeah, I do. Okay. We're going to find out, I guess. We will. I do think Kansas state is a sleeper. Yeah. They have an excellent I, offense. They only got four votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got the um, uh, Adrian Martinez transferring in. It's just the question oh, yeah. with him, do you get the full Adrian Martinez experience, which is a lot of great plays and then a lot of really <laughs> bad plays and turnovers that make you lose games? Or is he, you know, does he get a little better uh, taking care of the ball and and maybe flourishes there? And that could be a difference maker. I think him and Deuce Vaughn running the ball together. Right. Really good running attack. Climbing also, I mean, I think he's proven it, but he seems like he can coach pretty yes. well. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so that's it. Yeah. Oh, Florida State got one vote in the poll. They did. Yep. Somebody put them in. Big game for uh, Norvell. That first, you mentioned that Sunday night game against LSU. Gosh, that feels like a, that just feels like one of those games, right? Like a make or break. Like uh, you're, you're at the end of the season, you're retained or at the end of the season, you're, you're not retained kind of, kind of game for him, kind of season for them in general. Yeah. That's, I think uh, too on that is how you look. I mean, if you start, if you lose to LSU in the Superdome, you come back, but man, you can lose your team quickly. Felt like, you know, they lost Travis Hunter to Jackson State, the, the number one recruit in the country last year. And the last minute he flips to Jackson State. And I know it's one player, but man, that just felt like, man, that just that, it felt like it, 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 it. This is no bearing on how hard the players are working or how talented they are. But man, that was a tough one for the mood of the fans. Yeah. Old, old Dion gearing, gearing up to, uh, Maybe make a move uh, with Hunter and others to Tallahassee. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think Dion Dion signed a lot of good players. He hasn't just signed one guy. Right. I mean, I, I, I you think Dion will be, let's say a year from now, are we talk about Dion at, at a uh, at an FCS if, or an FBS. FBS. I'm sorry. Yeah, FBS. I, I think we are. I think we are. Uh, and I would have probably said that. Last year, too, and here we are, we're not talking about it, but he got pretty close last year. I think he, you know, he interviewed for a few jobs and actually a couple of athletic directors were pretty impressed by by him. So I, I think this year, you know, they got the best talent in the SWAC, obviously, by far. They probably got the best talent in maybe all of FCS. Um, he's got a bunch of Power 5 transfers. So I think they win, you know, another 10 games. And, and yeah, I think maybe this is the year that not only he gets another job, but probably takes a few players with him uh, from Jackson. Yep. Yeah. As you alluded to, I mean, ta- people in Tallahassee are, uh, uh, are are starting to cast a bit of a wistful eye towards Dion. 
beloved alum and took the best recruit in the country away from the Knowles. And if Mike Norvell doesn't do well, Dion's going to be standing there on the doorstep. So, okay. So the, the, the cons, I mean, they won 11 games last year, nine and on the SWAC, four and three, they recruit. He's a big personality. Is he only like, everyone's like, all right, he coaches Florida state one day, but what if that doesn't open? Like would, would Auburn grab him? Maybe. Will someone else take, I think he'd be really good and closer. It gets to Atlanta. I mean, Auburn, man, that's kind of his spot, right? Like South Alabama, the pan, all of Florida, Georgia, and then up in Atlanta, where's the hero. But I don't know. Like, is that, would he even go for that? Is he, I mean, what a, what a soap opera that thing would be. Yeah. That's do the boosters. How would the boosters feel about Dion? How would Dion feel about the boosters? Because as we know, the boosters have a pretty loud voice down there. But that would be a fascinating situation to watch. Uh, but I agree with Ross. I think Dion is absolutely ticketed for FBS and possibly even Power Five and possibly the SEC. So yeah, you, that's Auburn's one of those you look at for sure. Yeah. So like, who else? Well, let's think. I mean, like most likely to open Nebraska. I don't see that him going there. Um, <laughs> no. no way. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> God, I wish. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it would be be hilarious, like one of the most buttoned up programs in the world. And Deion Sanders, Uh, Memphis could open. What if Memphis has Mm -hmm. Deion Sanders and Penny Hardaway as their coaches? He's got it better. Well, maybe you think he would wait for something better. But then again, man, he he's been interviewed at some kind of lower level jobs that I think uh, that I get the feeling that he just, you know, wants wants to get an FBS any way he can. Uh, But. But yeah, maybe he waits, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure he's in a mood to wait. But I think like South Florida, I think, is probably poised to have a much better year under Jeff Scott and kind of make that step forward. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, USF, Tampa, uh, ability to recruit there. How about out how about out west? How about uh in Arizona State? If Herm, Arizona State, if, I was just yeah. thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, if Herm, I mean that's if a big try everything anywhere. Else. I think I think Dion anywhere in or very much near right a a major a metro is is the the thing that would make a lot of sense outside of Florida State any anywhere him in a big metro city I could I think it makes a lot of sense like a Houston not that anything's gonna happen with Dana but but you know Houston even Dallas you know he interviewed last year I think he's pretty well known at TCU you yep. know although that school wise seemed like maybe a peculiar fit like the fact that he's he would be in the dallas fort worth area i think he's got a house there it made a lot of sense and i think he blew away um jeremy donati the ad there they really thought about seriously offering the job and they had sunny right kind of waiting in the wings but if they didn't have him you kind of wonder if they would have yeah here's him. one so any I big mean, metro like phoenix I, I could see that yeah yeah georgia tech i, I was like just gonna say him, but atlanta oh, yeah. georgia tech georgia yeah. i mean yeah. that you want to talk about a job that has a very high likelihood of opening that would be one right yeah. i'm not Maybe sure Dion is a yeah. georgia tech guy but you know yeah come in have him come in and say yeah we're gonna go get like eight great players out of atlanta right now watch me experience with Dion is he's he will surprise you in in a lot of ways and so you know the fact he's done this much at jackson state that quickly uh i mean you know signed the number one recruit in the country last year he's got Alan a great and, he, and, he, and a number of other he had a couple other four stars and he's getting commitments mm-hmm. now and yeah he's 
He's incredible. Arizona State to me would be fascinating for him because Arizona State's constantly looking for like something to matter, and they and they just need to get a beacon that gets kids out there to visit and be like, hey, maybe I'll go there. Well, Deion Sanders on the phone. I'll go take a visit. And then once you get there, you're like, I'm not leaving. Yeah, he would be very interesting. It would. And I can't see him at like one of these, like you said, like Nebraska, some corn town somewhere. Yeah. Like and Ray Anderson, if Ray Anderson remains the AD, I mean, he's he's an he's an NF guy with an NFL background and he likes big names. You know, he liked having Bobby Hurley as his basketball coach, liked Herm, you know. Yeah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, big story out of Norman, Oklahoma, late Sunday night. Kale Gundy. Uh, brother of Mike Gundy, up, who's uh, obviously the Oklahoma State coach. But Cale Gundy uh, was a star quarterback at Oklahoma and has spent, I think, the last 20-plus years, 25-plus years as an assistant coach with the Sooners, uh, basically when Bob Stoops came in. He was their wide receiver coach. Uh, he released a statement late Sunday night where he resigned from his job uh, and said, uh, uh, I'll, I'll read his statement uh, that he put out on social media. I owe it to Sooner Nation to be transparent. Uh, last week during a film session, I instructed my players to take notes. I noticed a player was distracted, picked up on his iPad, and read aloud the words that were written on his screen. The words displayed had nothing to do with football. One particular word that I should never, under any circumstance, have uttered was displayed on that screen. In the moment, I did not even realize what I was reading, and as soon as I did, I was horrified. I want to be very clear. The words I read aloud from the screen were not my words. What I said was not malicious. It wasn't even intentional. Still, I'm mature enough to know that the word I said was shameful and hurtful, no matter my intentions. Uh, The unfortunate reality is someone in my position can cause harm without ever meaning to do so. Uh, so he apologized and then uh, and resigned and went on to talk about how much he loved Oklahoma. I, I read that and said, I want to hear more of the story. We've gotten more of an update on Monday from head coach uh, Brent Venables. Uh, and he said this, I would like to a few things they want to address. Coach Gundy resigned from the program because he knows what he did was wrong. He chose to read aloud to his players not once, but multiple times a racially charged word that is objectionable to everyone and does not reflect the attitude and values of our university or our football program. This is not acceptable, period. Coach Gundy did the right thing in resigning and so on. So I think anybody who took a little time, I know that's not big on social media and the media in general now, a lot of reaction, but uh, reading uh, mistakenly reading a word once, not saying you keep your job, but it's once saying the same word multiple times is a different story. So really kind of a, I know he's not the head coach, but kind of a coaching legend at OU uh, is out. Your thoughts on, uh, on that, Pat? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's significant. 
Coach uh, Kale Gundy was one of those sooner born, sooner bred guys uh, that they talk about and had been there going back to Venable's time as an assistant coach with Bob Stoops uh, and obviously through with Lincoln Riley. And uh, so for him to step down is a big deal. And the additional context offered by Venables, I think, is instructive. And the tone from Venables makes it clear. I think that uh, if if Mike Gundy, or I'm sorry, Kale Gundy, Mike Gundy's brother, uh, if Kale Gundy didn't step down, he was going to step down. He was going to be pushed. And maybe that's what happened here, ultimately. But, you know, they, they, the first thing that Venable says in his statement is, as painful as it has been dealing with Coach Gundy resigning from the program, it doesn't touch the experience of pain felt by a room full of young men I am charged to protect, lead, and love. So right then and there, it's like, okay, we're not having a pity party for Kale Gundy, okay? Secondly, then, yes, some context and maybe a little more clarity and, and truthfulness about what happened from Brent Venables. Look, there, there are words you cannot say and you should not say. Clearly, Kale Gundy said it, and not once, but multiple times. And here in 2022, as a college football coach, this is what you get. I don't want to hear people moaning, oh, cancel culture, oh, this is ridiculous. If you don't know that as a football coach, you're 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 ignorant. Okay, you should know that that's kind of the situation that you are in, and that's the environment you're in, and be respectful of that environment. So, uh, for Kale Gundy, you know, it's it's the end of a long and and storied and and beloved career, but I think it should be. Well, and we and we at first, right when this came out Sunday night into Monday, you kind of heard that the backlash of the the moaning of the cancel culture and stuff like that. I think part of why you heard that is because. This story didn't seem right. Something seemed like something was missing. There had to be more to the story. And then, right, little by little, the truth is coming out that it wasn't a wall. He didn't just say the word once, that he said the word multiple times. So I think, I don't know where, I don't know what happened with his statement and why why his statement was uh, kind of inferred or you know suggested that he, he read it almost by accident one time. Uh, and then obviously Britt, Venables came in to clear up and offer more information. And uh, obviously when you're uh, speaking to, you know, a room full of uh, athletes uh, and, and say those things and knowing you have to go on the recruit right on the road and recruit and knowing your own players talk to recruits. I mean, it's just not, that's not a good situation. And uh, for, for everybody, a, a split was, was probably necessary there. Yeah. And, and who knows? I mean, we may get more context uh, from, if there are sides to the story from all the different sides, and that's the thing. I mean, this initial statement is one person's statement, right? Yeah. You know, is there a full, you know, investigation? I don't think, I don't think Oklahoma is going to do that, but, or maybe they will, who knows? Yeah. But well, the one thing we, a, we, we uh, haven't heard from any of the players who were in the room. Yeah. We have not heard from the players and we don't know what other attitude is and it's a new coach and it's, it's a lot of different things. So a lot of former uh, players coming out, interestingly, who weren't, her weren't in the room, right? Coming out in in support of him, pretty passionately. So that that probably is part of what sparked, I guess, Brent Venables to release his statement because there was there was the loud push from uh, his former players who who came out, you know, in, in support of him, right? Who loved me? He has his, he does have his uh, his support out there. So a lot of different a uh, lot of different angles on that. You know, we thought the NCA had just pretty much given up. But they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> every every once in a while, 
They do something. I mean, it's literally like they're all like the everyone's calling it the Wild West, right? I don't mind the Wild West. I love westerns, <laughs> but uh, every everyone would agree. And then every once in a while, here comes the NCA, like finding some rule. So Drew Singleton was a linebacker for Rutgers, and last year has a good season. Decides he's going to turn pro. Um, that would have been his fifth year, but he gets a sixth year, right? Because of COVID it's an extra year. He's going to sign turn pro after the season. Rutgers goes five and seven. He signs with an agent and plans on going pro. Then Texas A&M catches COVID and bails on the tax layer Gator bowl and the tax layer bowl tabs Rutgers to come in at the last minute and play Wake Forest to save the tax layer bowl. Okay. <laughs> so I know Singleton, that pulls at your heartstrings, Dan, saving the tax. It really does. Bowl. It yeah. really does. So Singleton decides uh, he will play in the game. He plays for Rutgers, but it hurts his ankle in the game, which then kills his draft chance. He's not a, not a guaranteed draft pick, right? So he's in a walking boot. He can't go through the thing. He goes undrafted and says, now I, I want to come back for my last year. And the argument is, yes, he signed with an agent, but it was before the, he thought the season was over, and then the season really wasn't over. The NCA, so they were looking for a sixth year out of, out of Singleton, and the NCA just ruled this week that uh, he is out. He, can't, he cannot participate. There's like maybe one more appeal. Greg Schiano is not happy. So... <laughs> Kind of crazy, but do you feel sympathy for Singleton? Should he be able to continue playing given the bizarre circumstances of he didn't know when the season was really over? Yes, I do feel sympathy for him, you know. And it does, it is so purely like the NCAA that it does seem like they hand out waivers like candy and any sob story will work. And you can transfer as many times as you want, that sort of thing. So where, you know, that it seems like a disconnect here. A couple of things I will say, though. You know, one, this was, uh, he sprained his ankle. Is that really going to knock you out of the draft if you sprain your ankle in December? I, I you know, or January 1st or 2nd? I, I, I suspect that his draft status was not great to begin with. So I, It was not. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I just have a hard time believing that, this was the kind of thing that all of a sudden torpedoed his his draft status. Secondly, I've seen people say, well, the NCAA wants these guys to play in the bowl games. No, the NCAA didn't give a crap. The Tax Slayer Bowl wanted him to play in the bowl game. Rutgers wanted him to play in the bowl game. So this isn't an NCAA wants him to play, but then punishes him for playing. It's just the NCAA punishing him for playing. Again, I I would I you would like to see them back up all the rhetoric about, hey, you know, we are in it for the athletes and we want them to have the best experience they can have. And this doesn't seem to jive with that, but I would also like to see read here, whatever the final ruling is on this waiver before I know exactly what the heck the decision was about. Well, this is a great example and we have plenty of them of uh, this weird era that we're in, in college sports right now. We're like transitioning from amateurism to professionalism, but we're not all the way into professionalism and you still have some of these these little rules. I mean, at some point, uh, whether through Congress or the courts or their own volition, college sports, his own volition, 
this is going to be legal where a player gets the inner draft and come back, you know, high, and, and, and players have agents now anyway. I mean, yeah. you could say they're just supposed to have just marketing agents, but, but, but they have agents now anyway with NIL. And let's just be frank. They probably always had agents, especially the high got high up guys. I mean, they always probably had agents. So it's like this, again, we're, we're, and there's a lot of examples of it. We're in this weird time of college sports where college sports still has clinging on to these, these little like amateurism rules and still in some cases like this one enforcing them, uh, but not enforcing others. Uh, so it's, it's just a bizarre time. And it's a, another example of that. It's, it's sad for the kid. You do kind of feel, feel for him in, in kind of his family that, uh, I mean, what's, what's it going to hurt, you know, giving him another year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it. If they were hardcore like they used to be, you could sit there and say, look, the moment you sign this, you sign with that agent, let alone take money, you know you're out. But nowadays, everything's so confused. I don't know. I mean, I, the NCAA definitely does not care about a bowl game. Uh, nobody cared about the tax layer bowl. They were five and seven. I just, I guess the only part of it is the confusion of your season's over and then it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> because right. of, bizarre standards that's about the only one but you know rutgers will uh rutgers will survive but uh, as you said though it's know. a you know it's a good right good to know the ncaa is still in business still, still doing something i guess <laughs> yeah. this seems like a weird one to be uh, like they haven't put make on sure that rutgers linebacking core isn't quite as experienced <laughs> I mean, they haven't put that you, you know that villain hat on for a while so they've just been steamrolled over in every situation so now hey what do you know they're still at least right. capable of pissing off a fan base out there. This does not apply to me, but uh, I do think it might apply to to you guys. Certainly, Pat. Uh, some days at work, you just don't put in a good effort, and you try to try to try to present <laughs> that you did. Right, just try to present that you did do a lot. This doesn't apply to you. We did hear that, that not correctly. Apply to right? me we at heard all. that hundred percent. Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, win in the that, day, yeah. win the hour, win the hour, win baby. the day, <laughs> win the day. All gas, no brakes over here. Uh, but for the rest of you slackers out there, you have a hero. Etienne Klein is a scientist and the director of France's Atomic Energy Commission. And Mr. Klein put out on uh, on social media a photo and claimed it was from an image from the James Webb Space Telescope. Okay? This is all astronomy or whatever. Not astrology, astronomy. I don't know a whole lot about it. I got enough problems here on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> but a photo of Proxima Centaurari, the closest star to the sun. This is what he wrote. Located 4.2 light years from us. She was taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. This level of detail, dot, 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 a new world is revealed day after day. And this was a very impressive photo. Except actual scientists started balking back, and it turned out the photo was not an image from outer space, but a photo of a slice of chorizo. <laughs> That's just my this favorite is a true thing. story, That's by the way. That's awesome. So awesome. The man took a slice of chorizo. 
It's tremendous. <laughs> Took a photo of its bright red, has all those little dots and stuff on it, like when you see Saturn or something, and pawned it off as whatever the hell I just described. The level of detail. He's like, <laughs> he's like just amazed at how great this photo is. Is this one of the great, I didn't do any work today, but I'm going <laughs> to pretend I did work ever? It's pretty impressive. It really is. If, if he only hadn't oversold it, you know, I mean, in the, the social media post there, it's a little, you know, a little too effusive. He just said, interesting picture from space of uh, Proxima Centauri or whatever, instead of a whole new world discovered. But can't you picture it? All right, this dude's French, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, he goes goes to lunch. They have a bottle of wine. They're having a charcuterie <laughs> plate there. And he holds up like, hey, you know what? Let's just let me use this piece of sausage right here. Take a picture, and then we're done for the day. We'll have another bottle yeah, of wine. Yeah. We'll hang out. Yeah. Post it. Genius. Just he pushed it too far. But you know, that's sometimes the criminals do that, or the scam artists. They push it a little too far. Catches up with you. He said after when he got the blowback, it was just joking. I feel compelled to clarify that this tweet showing an alleged snapshot of Poxima Centurari was a form of amusement. <laughs> Let us learn to be wary of arguments from authority as much as of the spontaneous eloquence of certain images. He writes like a Frenchman. Um, <laughs> why would someone in authority try to undermine authority? I don't buy that joke bit at all. This guy was trying to, like you said, he's getting hammered down the little, uh, one of those little cafes they got in Paris. <laughs> Now I'm calling to question all of the images that came out of the satellite. Are all of them weird food? These galaxies, <laughs> these universe, whatever pictures. Maybe, you know, it's just like some kind of cereal or granola or other sausages. <laughs> I don't know. What? Yeah, what if the whole Hubble telescope thing's a scam? You know? I encourage anyone to look it up. I mean, it, it kind of does look like a planet for like idiots <laughs> like me. But then they're like, oh, it's chorizo. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> they kind of do look alike. Put it with a slice of Emmental on a, on a cracker. All right, finally here, LSU may not be ranked. No respect for, for Brian Kelly. But we, we continue to respect the fishermen and fisherwomen of uh, anybody from Louisiana who gets out there and fishes. We've had many, many stories uh, about uh, Louisianians and the uh, and the wildlife, and uh, this one goes right in it. Just last week, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries arrested a, a Homa man for, quote, allegedly catching too many sharks and having meth in his possession. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get out there. <laughs> you get down to, that's South Louisiana, is it not, Ross Dellinger? Oh, that's way down there. That's down Very in the much. marsh. That's that's uh that's close to the uh Cojo, where the Cojo's <laughs> from and the Cajon's on the Pirols, yeah. We sure. coming. Yeah. Those, those those people down there, man, a, di a different breed, a different breed. Uh yeah, the uh agents came up uh, on his boat and uh they got suspicious when he was on the boat and he threw a shark overboard <laughs> because he was over the limit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just trying to imagine that it's hilarious. This guy's like throwing sharks overboard, like grabbing them by the tail yeah. and throwing, you know, their jaws are, you know, going and they're he's just throwing them overboard. It's amazing. And the, the water, I don't know. I'm not an expert on the waterways there, but I have been there and it, it's like a river. I mean, it's not, it's not like you have a huge boat. No, like you're out right. in the Gulf. So he's probably got a bunch of sharks flapping around in his boat, his small <laughs> boat realized he had taken too much and literally picked a shark up and threw it overboard. <laughs> and then they get him with the meth. Then the meth, you know. Yeah, then the, yes, yes. That's, that's a double whammy right there, man. Yeah, Homa, that's, that is down there. On the on the fishing trip that, that Dan was notably not invited on, um, we, yeah. we did have somebody from Homa that was in our group. And, and I was born in Morgan City about about probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes to the to the west yeah of, uh, you know that terrible but uh you ever yeah, thrown it's, a it's, shark uh, overboard no never no never done that and uh ever sharks smoked and meth, meth? no no <laughs> never done that meth? either but i okay. can imagine um uh, a shark smoking meth we might that might end up as sharknado i <laughs> might end up sharknado 2 coming yeah shark week just got new material there you go. If my job is to, to literally put my hands on a shark, like manhandle a shark. <laughs> I'm taking meth. I think that's a. I think there should be a carve out on whether it's yeah. illegal or not. Justifiable meth use, right there. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he's in the jail, fifty five hundred in fines and two years in jail. It's what mm. he faces. So he tried to dispose of the evidence by throwing the shark back. <laughs> Don't tell me LSU is not going to be in the top 25 when this is who they're yeah. representing. <laughs> yeah, there's a good chance that on his body somewhere or on his boat, he had purple and gold somewhere. Yeah, There's a Absolutely. really good chance. Yeah. Oh, hey, our guides, when we went on the fishing trip that Dan Wetzel was not invited on, were hardcore LSU <laughs> fans. And, man, they were down on Coach Ooh, yeah. O big Ooh. time. And that was before the season, before he got fired. I mean, they oh, they wanted Ooh, to Tigers. Yeah. Coach O could have wrestled that shark. We also had that deal with uh, Jim McElwain. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the Jim McElwain lookalike on the when he was touchy the Florida subject coach. for Jim McElwain. Touchy I, subject, it is. as we found out. Yes, He's he not didn't happy. play into that. Man, I, I'm still like, man, he, he missed a, a perfect opportunity to like play into that and, and be you know be funny and just kind of like make fun of himself. And boy, oof, he went the other way. And then yep. so did the the coaching career <laughs> <in> Florida. <laughs> yes. yes. The Jim McElwain, uh, yeah, if you if you don't recall, there was a photo of a, a guy who looked like Jim McElwain, who's now the Central Michigan coach, but the former Florida coach, cuddling with a shark <laughs> on a boat. Naked. 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 That's true. He was naked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if cuddling's <laughs> the right word, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> Kind he was hugging, right. Uh, he was lying down naked with the shark. So I mean, you know. embracing longingly the shark. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The picture uh, got out there, and uh, yeah, he really got upset about it. I mean, and it's it was kind of that was made you wonder if it was him. Yeah. No. I mean, that, that, because it was so absurd that yeah. the Florida Gator coach would be nakedly snuggling a shark, <laughs> yet. <laughs> But uh, if you don't recall, they then did a they did a an investigation. Barstool of all people, Barstool got into it, and they did a huge investigation, and they found the guy who who actually was the the Jim McElwain lookalike. 
Shark and uh, he admitted it was him. And so McIlwain was cleared of the naked shark cuddling. And uh, it seemed like it kind of gotten over it now. So new era there. Fire up chips. Central Michigan, if he's going to cuddle with anything, maybe like a lake sturgeon or something now, you know. <laughs> not a lot of sharks in Mount Pleasant. <laughs> not a lot not, of sharks. Not a lot so, of yeah, sharks he went about there. as far from the sharks as you possibly could in Division One football. Uh, yeah, maybe like a walleye or something. I don't know. Won the Sun Bowl last year. They won the Sun Bowl. Sure did. Not a lot of sharks in El Paso either. So, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? See where it goes. But anyway, I think that's a sign that uh, LSU is going to have a season for him. But we'll be here to chronicle it. We'll be back later this week with uh, whatever else happens. Talk to you later.